Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Prism Coffee Shop. It's right down the road from me. I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the podcast. They said yes. I asked for free coffee. They gave me stickers. I took the stickers and left. A deal is a deal. If you listen closely at the beginning of every episode, you can hear me breathe. Today's guest, Jacob Trevino. If you don't know Jacob Trevino and you live in Cincinnati, Ohio, you probably at least know of his bars, the Overlook Lodge, not the lounge. I said the Overlook Lounge a hundred times during this podcast, but Jacob was sweet enough to not say anything. I feel like a dick. His other bars are the video archive and Tokyo Kitty. If you go to Cincinnati, check out one of these bars. You'll probably just end up there because they're the best bars in the town. We talk about what it's like running your own business, starting your own business, taking a risk, taking a chance, being artistic, delegating responsibility. It was fun. It was a really good time. If you have any interest in entrepreneurship, or doing anything artistic or organizationally, or you just like the bars and you wanna hear about what it's like starting them, you're gonna like this podcast. I'm done talking, let's do this. I think there was, you know, there actually might be, like, you know, my. <laughs> My parents still don't understand what I do for a living. Is that true? Like, as much as they're like, that is very true. That is that is very true. My parents don't understand what I do for a living. Really? I feel like it's not. Yeah. Okay. My, what don't they understand? Yeah. Um, so my parents think that every bar should be like a sports okay. bar. So they're always weirded out as to why I don't have like 27 televisions in all my bars. And, like, why anyone would ever go to a bar that doesn't have, like, a TV show in sports. Like, and also, like, why can't I just serve, like, pizza or something? Like, why why does everything have to be so themed out? Like, why don't you just open a bar? Like, they completely don't understand why I go through all the trouble that I do to um, do what we do in the bars. Interesting. So they think, so they don't see it. Because you, you, I mean, you take it as, like, an artistic expression, right? Like it's uh it's more than just money. It's a making. little I mean it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a little though like, you know, I, I've been lucky enough that I can kind of see, you know, the there's inherent value in the creators of the world. That if you create something, um, that, that has inherent value and that there is an audience for everybody. And if you can find your audience you can make a living on whatever it is that you love. Like, you know, I've been fortunate enough that the, the nets I cast for the audiences um, for my art are pretty wide, um, and they happen to revolve around something that people enjoy doing, which is drinking. True. If I wasn't doing this, I would be in some other sort of creative field, trying to be creative and imaginative pretty much every day, because that's those are the things that make me happy. Um creating interesting environments makes me excited. It gets me out of bed every day. So even if I wasn't doing the bars, I'd be in some sort of element where I was able to do that 
um, because I find it very rewarding. I, I just happen to be one of those few lucky individuals that was able to turn their passion into something that, you know, you can cut a check from. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's no science to what I do. Well, what did you, what did, I want to kind of get back to your parents, but what did you, what did you try before that got you to where you are? You know, cause I, I mean, or did you just say, you know what, I know what I want to do. I want to start bars with very specific themes. No, I think um, in the beginning, I was raised in that generation where there was no other option other than to go to right. college. I think that was, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a good job, you earn a lot of money at that job, and then you find hobbies. You know, my dad played golf. My mom kind of fused her hobby together with her job. My mom was a pilot. So my mom really loves flying, and she always tried to actively get me into wanting to be a pilot. Um, I didn't find any thrill in flying an airplane. I thought it was just like driving a bus in the sky. Right. Like, why would you ever do this to yourself? Like, there's no creativity here. You're literally going from point A to point B. And you're taking passengers that are always disgruntled. Why would this ever appeal to you in any certain way? Um, but it is, you know, as much as I'm against my parents and the fact that they don't really understand what I do, they also very much shaped who I am as a person. And my mom has a, a extreme sense of adventure. You know, that's what led her to be a pilot. My dad has been an entrepreneur all of oh. his life. So those characteristics were really branded into me. And it's just very strange that they never saw that your entrepreneurship can be creative as well. That you can take the art and your passion and, and also fuse that into a business. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I kind of feel like what I do is the I do my work for real for the money making part, and then the things I do that would be, you know, you could describe as creative or even entrepreneurial make me no fucking money, you know. So it's like a means. <laughs> I don't have that entrepreneur. It's like that entrepreneur spirit, but I don't have your parents' mentality where the. It's exciting to make a successful business, you know? I, well, it also, it, it never starts that way. Everyone kind of looks at Girl of Cinema as, man, you guys are an overnight success. Like, look, three bars in three years. Um, but there are a lot of people in the background other than myself that have been contributing to the stream. And also, they weren't around for the year one, which is, Everybody that's ever created anything or ever done anything has this moment where they have to take the leap. They have to believe in it so much that they're willing to put their skin in the game, their time, their energy, um, that sacrifices other things in their life, their money, um, to kind of put a risk on the line. And that's what we did with Girl Cinema was we started before we had these wildly immersive bars was how do you create experiences using the movies that we love. So our first thing that we did was a Pulp Fiction dinner where we paired nine different cocktails to, um, you know, scenes in the movie with food. So when Samuel Jackson takes a bite of the Big Kahuna Burger, you know, we gave everyone Big Kahuna mm-hmm. Sliders. We didn't necessarily do it to make money. I did it because it seemed like something that was interesting and something that I had never experienced, something that was fun and something that I wanted to share with other people. So when, you know, we're emptying out our bank account on a Friday, 
before we did one at a grill of cinema pop up, we were just fingers crossed, like, ah, I hope we can put this money back in the account right. on Monday. And it was never there was never any end goal to what it was. There was never, oh, well, we're doing this until this point. Oh, we're doing this. We we did it because it was fun and it was exciting. And we were getting to show movies with our friends. And we're getting to work with chefs we really liked. And we're getting to work with all these other really creative people that we really liked. With kind of no end game of okay, well, we're going to open. We're going to do all these pop-up cinema events, and then we're going to open a bar, and then we're going to open another bar. Um, I think that has been the joy of these past few years, is we've been given so many opportunities based on the fact that we kind of started with just kind of a loose playbook to say, okay, we did the Overlook Lodge, which is our Shining-themed bar, to say, where do we kind of go from there? And then your kind of creativity gets to start all over again, and then we get to throw ideas at the wall, and say, okay, well, not every bar works for every neighborhood, so we have this opportunity, you know, take our second bar, the Video Archive in Walnut Hills, which is a Tarantino speakeasy. You know, that bar works because it's in that neighborhood. You know, I don't think we could open a bar like that in the suburbs of any city. You know, how do you open a bar that makes it kind of work where it is? Um, so for us, it's about having the flexibility of creativity as well. Yeah, I see that. Uh, and I think that's a cool, I think going back to what you're saying about you started small, you started with the dinner, you know, the Pulp Fiction themed drinks, and starting a small thing, like starting starting with one idea, and not, you know what I mean? Like your vision wasn't to have three bars with different, you know, with different themes, your vision was like, let's just do a thing and maybe we'll make our money back and have done something cool. Yeah, I think that was it. It was more of a test of ourselves to see like, can we do this? I, you know, I knew that there was an audience for it out there, but it was really more of a, a, a test of will to be like, you know, can we, when we did uh, one of our cinema pop-ups, we did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate mm -hmm. Factory. And I was obsessed with three things about doing the screening. I was like, I want to make a cocktail that is lickable wallpaper. Okay. That you actually hand people wallpaper and they lick it and it's alcohol. Yeah. Um, I want to create a cup that they can actually drink the cocktail out of and take a bite of, like Gene Wilder does in the scene where they're in the candy right. garden. And I wanted to create a cocktail that was in a bubble, like for the fizzy whiskey drink that they could hold in their hands. That's really all we were trying to do was if we could do those three things, we knew we could, you know, in Gorilla Cinema Speak, every good company has a mission. And our mission has always been to project the wonder. And, and that's all the, the first, you know, cinema pop-ups were, was it, it wasn't about making money. It wasn't about being rich. It was about, you know, these experiences enrich our lives as much as they enrich the audience lives. It, it gets us, you know, very inspired to try to figure out how to do the impossible and how to keep going and doing these other things. And that's what we get to do in the bars now is translate some of these impossible ideas into a brick and mortar place. You know, the, the, the kind of the way we ended up at the bars was not, Oh, we should open a bar was we need a facility to do all these crazy things that we want to do. Well, if we open a bar, then we'll have a place to do these every single day. 
and that's how you end up at the Overlook Lodge. Yeah, and then did you did you discover? So over doing that stuff, you discovered oh we can there is a market for people who like what we're doing. Let's open up a place where they can kind of experience this whenever they please. Cause you know, it's not, there's not like three or four people coming to your things. You have like really have a crowd and people found it interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that was, we started out like the Pulp Fiction one pulled out pretty fast. It was 50 people, but I mean, we were getting up to 300, 350, 400 people at some of these events. And that's when we kind of knew that we had something a little special. Um, and then it, it just kind of inspired, kept going from there, which was, um, I thought once we had the one bar, the voice in my head that keeps saying, like, build, build yeah. things, do things, would kind of quiet right. down. Um, but it actually kind of got even louder because there was more opportunities. And once people saw that, um, I think when we said, hey, we're going to open this lodge-style bar based on The Shining, a lot of people kind of snickered. It was like, well, good luck with that, man. Hope that works right. out for you. And then after the first few months, when you saw the crowds coming in and people experiencing and loving it, then we started people coming up to us that said, hey, do you have any other ideas? Yeah. And I, at that point, I thought we were just lucky to have the one right. idea. <laughs> I never thought that this thing would morph into so many more bars and so many more pop-up concepts that we've done over the past few years. Um, but I think that one conversation with, um, somebody who's been very influential in our, our company, um, his name is Blake Bartley, and he's kind of our, our real estate guy, which is, um, he was the first person to ask, I love this, what else yes, you got? Yes, okay. And I think um, every good artist has that person in their life that comes in and says, I love what you're doing, do you have more? And how do you get that kind of more from people? Um, and that's all we've been trying to do is, you know, as much as the bars have been successful, um, you know, the main reason we kind of keep doing it is because people keep coming up to us and say, well, what's the next thing? And then of course I get their gears going and we think, okay, what can we do next? Right. And that's, that's what I've noticed that like you have the idea and then also I really admire your execution too. Because I think a lot of people have these big ideas, but I think um, what you have is you have your big idea, but you're able to see the big picture enough to really make your idea come to fruition in the way you want it, which I think is cool because it's uh, like going to the Overlook Lounge, you walk in and you're like, oh, this is this. This wasn't half-assed, you know, like this was really taken seriously. I appreciate that. I think we try to pay attention to the details yes. that matter. Um, there are details that really set the stage. Um, as much as I would love to be like an endless flow of money, um, the bars are never, ever done for us. So we are always constantly trying to add to the experience as well. So as much as we try not to half-ass any of the concepts, there are always things that are left kind of on the cutting room floor with any of our concepts that yeah. we do, just because we're limited by, you know, just normal world, like, hey, this is a business. How do we create something and create it within the sandbox? But that's also the great thing about being a business is you can say, well, it is a priority of ours to keep this experience yeah. alive. So how do we keep reinvesting 
into that experience. So if you haven't been to the Overlook in six months, the next time you go back, oh, that's kind of new. Or especially, you know, some of our newer concepts like Tokyo Kitty, which is our Japanese karaoke mm-hmm. bar, that seems to be a constant addition that um, we started with our basic concept of we wanted to do um, this kind of fusion of Japanese-American karaoke um, and kind of the intersection of where Japanese and American pop culture mm-hmm. meet. And so we designed these seven private karaoke rooms to be designed around these Japanese pop culture icons that kind of intersected with American pop culture. And we opened it, and we were really excited about the way they turned out. But now here we are six, seven months on, and we're like, okay, every month and now for the next six months, one of these rooms is going to have a complete redo so that the theming doesn't get stale. Um, it allows the staff and allows myself that kind of creative exercise to kind of just keep pushing and to say, okay, for the winter, we're going to do this kind of weird snowman room for, for winter um, that's going to be all these like weird snowmen dressed up as anime characters. Um, and also, just again, when you open a bar, a lot of people open a bar in a restaurant and say, okay, that's the end all be all. We did it. Yeah. We opened it. But it's so much more fun and so much more rewarding when the creative process remains fluid. And then you say, like, this will never be done. Um, we're always going to keep adding to it until, you know, we close the doors one day, which everyone eventually does. Well, that's that's interesting you say that because I, really, I never really thought about it. But do you ever have that... Does it ever did I, I, have you had the experience of people maybe coming to one of your bars one time for the novelty of the experience? Like, was that something you worried about? Where you were like, "Oh, we're gonna go to that, you know, Pulp Fiction theme bar," and then they never come back because, like, "Oh yeah, I've been there." Like, did you? I that yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just crossed my mind. So that is our our main concern from day mm-hmm. one is um, these still have to be bars. Like, they have to be bars that you yes. want to go to on the regular. They can't be so immersive and so overwhelming that it feels like going to, like, Rainforest Cafe yeah. or it feels like a stage show because then that makes you not want to go every time. So we have to walk this very fine line between being an immersive experience but also being an experience that feels comfortable and welcoming. So that is, you know, when we sit down with architects and we sit down with designers for any of our concepts day one, we always try to design the bar so that it works as a bar. So if you take off all the bells and whistles, um, it's still a place where you would go on the regular to have a drink. Yes, and that's that's funny you say that because it's uh it's the example of like when you go to the video archive, it's a it's a speakeasy with a trap door with a moving door. Yeah. And the first time you go in, it's this like, oh, which what's the movie, you know, and the the clerk or the doorman is kind of it's like a game. It's kind of part of the experience. But I found myself going there enough, like quite a bit to the point where I was just like, what's the movie? OK, it's there. Cool. Because it just, you know, I was like, OK, the novelty wears you know, the novelty wears off. It's still a cool bar, though. I still go there all the time because it has what I want in a bar. I just like the experience. Yeah, and I think for us, too, is how do you extend that experience with fun events? How do you extend that experience with, like, great new cocktails um, so that after you've been a few times that you still kind of want to go back because you kind of want to see what's behind the video door, that there's always something new. You know, we, we started this great thing that um, was kind of weird because, you know, we 
dropped into this Tarantino theme. Um, and some people kind of consider that a bot. You know, but for me, I'm like, well, we've got a video store out front, so anything that's movies should be fair game right. behind there. You know, we celebrate Quentin Tarantino 300 days of the year, and then 65 days of the year, we do these amazing immersive events that celebrate pop culture. So every last Thursday of the month, we have Disney karaoke at Video Archive. Like, it fits with the video store theme. I think we all remember going to a video store and renting our favorite Disney movies. So we have people that come and dress up. So I think now the door, as much as it can wear off the mechanism, like, oh, there's a trap door. Now the fun of it is, when I pull this trap door, am I seeing Disney characters? Am I seeing um, something from television pop culture? You know, we did a night that was based on The Office. It was super huge, and we had people dressed up as Dwight. And, like, you know, how do you keep adding to that, um, you know, movie culture? And, you know, our Saturday cinema when we showed um, Animal House, all of a sudden, you know, you pop open that secret door and everyone's dressed in a toga. So I think that experience of the secret door can still have an effect even after the effect of, oh, I got to find the movie has worn off. And how do you kind of keep increasing that? you know, surprise factor for people. Yeah, I think I think that's really cool, man. I think that's you that that is what it comes down to is you cha- like challenging yourself. Um cuz I, I I personally I just I think those bars would do well if you were just to say that's the theme. This is the bar, come hang out. Maybe there's trivia or something. You know, yeah. but it's you have this you know, you're constantly evolving. You're doing movie nights there. It really turns it into a community thing where people are wondering, oh, what's happening at the Lookout Lounge? Are they doing a live script reading? Oh, that's cool. I love that movie. I'm going to go. It's uh, it's fun, man. It, like, keeps people on their toes. It's neat events that bring people together. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of just the same out there. So I think it's... And people come out to that shit, dude. I've been to a lot of your events, and people people want it. I think that's it, too. And I, as much as we say the people want it, our staff yeah. wants it. You know, I think a lot of people go to a job where they don't have any input in what happens yeah. at that job. Especially a lot of bartenders. A lot of bartenders, bartending can be kind of a monotonous sure. job. Where you just show up, you kind of make the same things every day, serve the same food. So for us, you know, as much as the events are, this is so engaging for the clientele, it's just engaging for us. Like, it gets us out of, like, the rut of the day-to-day. Um, and it's very selfish. I say I'm the most selfish bar owner in the world because, really, I just create bars that I want to go to. Like, I don't ever think about, like, oh, man, this bar is going to make so much money. I always think about, like, man, this seems like fun. It seems like the staff would have fun. And we can really kind of create a unique place for people to come and play in and people can come and experience. Um, and it really is that weird place where like business meets art, where it's like, okay, well we hired all these people that are musicians and artists, you know, it would be weird of us to say like, no, just stay in the box over there. Don't give us any ideas. You know? So for us, like, I think that has been the most rewarding part of all this is all the people that we've been able to bring in to the organization that have contributed so much to making it what it is because it's not all my creativity saying we should do a script reading. No, that's Josh O'Neill's idea that said, when does this be fun to do? 
and then we kind of get to go do it together as a team. So when you're hiring bartenders, are you kind of looking at them as like somewhat creative directors in a way too? We always look at people that have a passion for something. Yeah. Um, I can teach anybody to bartend. Bartending is not that complex of a job, even though some bartenders will tell you that it is. I don't think it is. I think um, there are certain things that we look for um, is personality. You want somebody that is inherently friendly. Um, I can't teach you to be nice. Like, that is just something that, like, is coming in to the job. Is I, I would say, like, be nice is, like, the hardest thing that anybody in the service industry will ever have to do because it's like a, it's a verb, you know, it's something that you have to actively try to be. Um, from there, we look for creativity. Um, do you have hobbies outside of your job? We want you to be passionate about something. You know, a lot of the people who work for us are stand-up comedians. Some uh, have run their own podcast. Uh, some do crafts and arts. Some are artists and painters. You bring all these people in to say, okay, um, I can teach you the mechanics of making um, the drink, and then all you have to do is talk about the things that you're passionate about behind the bar. And you encourage that type of behavior for them to bring their ideas and bring that type of stuff to the audience that we already have. Um, and the, the, the tiring part about it is, it's a constant thing. So sometimes you just run into like creative burnout that I think a lot of people do where you're like, I don't know if we have any ideas yeah. left. But then you always find some new way of like, you know, reigniting that spark. And especially with a team that we have as large as we have now is we all get to kind of carry the load for a bit. So when some of us are like, man, I need some recharge time. We've got two other people that are working on a fantastic event. Yeah. No, I, I can I can see that. And like having that sort of, you know, someone else kind of rotate in and, you know, express their creativity when you feel like you're exhausted. But here, here's what I would think you would run into. And tell me if I'm wrong. With that many people like wanting, have it, like having their input involved in a lot of the process, do you, is, is that tough? Because I feel I have a hard time working with other people. So I feel like that would be difficult when you have so many cooks in the kitchen, you know, when you're, or, or how do you kind of delegate like creative roles in a, in an event or in something? So that's, that's real. That's really what it is. So from, from day one of planning any sort of event you have, everyone takes a role in it and everyone has a clear role in it. There's like no ambiguity in like what everyone's doing. Um, I think also what we have really kind of defined really well is these small teams that kind of get to work autonomously. So really it's, it's a lot of meetings, probably more meetings than any bar group has. Um, but it is, that's kind of what my job is. You know, my job is to kind of steer and motivate and inspire. And then as we kind of work on new things, figure out who's the manager for the new things, what that concept looks like. But for the most part, like my day in day out isn't, so much behind the bar anymore as it is, you know, keeping everything on track as, as being basically a big project manager. Um, but we offer so much autonomy and we have a pretty clear system of how things get decided. You know, so so for us, it's not, okay, everyone just run wild and kind of do these things. It's a lot of, okay, we have projected out for the next six months these are the events and the things that we are doing. 
and this person's in charge of this event, this person's in charge of this event. And so it's a, it's a really just kind of, you're thinking more so in half years than you're thinking day-to-day, week-to-week. So we'll have these sessions where we sit down and we will just have blue sky where you just think of all the ideas you can think of. Like, and we're just like, okay, this, this would be great for this bar, and this would be great for this bar. And you just kind of, like, spread them all out, and then eventually you say, okay, legitimately we're going to do one of these ideas at one of these bars a month. And then sometimes you'll have something be like, this is a cool reoccurring idea. And then you have the people that are passionate about those ideas kind of yeah. run with them. Um, but you never have it to where, you know, so, so that's it. As much as it seems like, man, they're doing a lot, like, there is a lot of behind-the-scenes work of just an organizational nature that makes it all run, and it's for the fact that we know that this is the way the company operates. We're going to do ideas, so let's get them all out, let's plot out the calendar, and let's assign everyone a role. That way, you know, in October, when we have six things going on, like, everyone, everything's pretty much in the place, you know, like, that that we basically, the, the fun thing that I'm working on now is, my end of the year is done. Like I am pretty much sitting back looking at the next projects we're going to work on because we're, we've pretty much mapped out and designed out every party, every event that we're going to do through December. And that is, a, that is a super cool place to be, you know, four years into a company to say like, you know, what else are we going to work on? Cause we've, we've kind of cleaned our plate. Well, and it's, you know, that's awesome. You can also kind of say you can you can sit back a bit because you have people that you trust are going to make those events that you have booked good, too. Well, well, I think that's a, a trap that a lot of bar owners and businesses fall into is you hire these people to do a job. Why wouldn't you trust them right. to do it? So, again, I, I like I do quality control and I make sure that Everyone's doing what they should do, but I am definitely not the type of leader that stands over somebody to be like, did you send that email? Did you do this thing? So for me, it it offers me a lot of flexibility to say, okay, what are we going to do next? And then you go work on that thing. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting because that's, that's kind of the skill, right? Is I, I imagine you could open the Overlook Lounge and then, you know, really focus on that and then have that be your baby and that be your full-time job but you're you're scaling up in a way that most people would think oh i'll just franchise the overlook lounge and i'll make buku bucks because that's you know you got to go in a direction you got to grow in life you got to do something different but you've chosen the more artistic way instead of franchising that out you've you know hired people that also want to be creative and are also passionate about things and you've created other self-sustaining businesses that that it, mainly the real impressive thing is you found people that get it, that get what your mission is, and can collaborate with you and make cool stuff. I think that's a you know to loop around back to the beginning of what we were talking about. I think for us that is the thing that has been the most beneficial to us. And anybody that's listening that is thinking about starting a business or that is in a business. You know, what is your mission? And as long as you stick to whatever your mission is and make decisions based on that mission, and as long as your mission is a righteous mission, you know, our mission as a company for Gorilla Cinema 
is again to project wonder, is that the world can sometimes be a really terrible place. And sometimes you need an escape from that place. And it's our job to provide that escape. So for us, everybody that walks through the door of any of our bars, they need to be, you know, presented with this magic trick of we're going to project all this wonder that the world can be a wonderful place and it can exist in your backyard. And even if that existence is, oh, I walked into a bar and it felt like a lodge and I had really good cocktails and there was a bluegrass band on, that can be projecting wonder. It doesn't need to be this over-the-top thing. And so every day we just try to remind our staff, like, if we just do that every single day, we'll figure out the financial part. That money will be a byproduct of projecting wonder. That'll be the byproduct of our mission. Um, but our goal not every day is to come in and count beans and figure out the best way to make the most profitable bar that has ever existed. That's not our mission. Our mission is to create these wonderful spaces that people feel relaxed in and that they can escape from a harsh world in. And if we do that, everything else will figure itself out. Yeah, yeah, I see that, man. I've always said that. I, I've always said if you do something well, if you make something good, you don't really have to worry about how you sell it or how you market it or the business. And I mean, sure, to some degree you do, but for the most part, if you make something that people want, it will make money. You know, if you do it and you make a real good experience, people will come. Yeah, I think too. I think the other advice I could offer because I get asked, "Oh, I want to, I want to do what you do. I want to do this." I was just, well, it's great, but you also have to be unrelenting yeah. in it. You know, we're we're here. It's it's ten o'clock our time. We're recording a podcast. My day started around six a.m. this morning. Um, I did not work a single minute today. I had one of the best days I've ever had today. Um, but it's long days. You know, it's it's. And, and it's it's a it's a type of work ethic where again I don't feel like I'm working because I feel like I'm doing the things I want to do. And so if you're fulfilling your mission, you, it shouldn't feel like work. You shouldn't be like, well, uh, fuck, it's ten o'clock and I've got to record a podcast. And man, like I really wish I was in bed. Like, no, there's no place I'd rather be right now than talking to you about this amazing thing that we've created. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I I do. Okay, so you, I mean, you live, you live, you're living, you know, you're not really, you know, you're not technically working if you love what you do, but what was, what was the, when you originally started, when you were trying, when you were doing the dinners, and especially when you were ponying up for the Overlook Lounge and really investing in yourself, the big risky parts, you know, um, of this endeavor that you've created, what, like, I don't know. Take us through that a little bit. Like the parts where you're like, here it goes. I'm really, I'm going to do there, Yeah. I mean, there, there are, oh, fuck yeah. moments like in anybody's journey, you know, um, again, I get to, I get to see it in like a, a really kind of cool week that I've had right now where I'm kind of riding sky high, that it's kind of hard to think about some of the, the, the bad mm -hmm. times, you know, but that there, there were times that I'm like, you know, if you don't have a certain level of fear, you're doing something wrong, too. Like, if you're not afraid at some point, like, oh, shit, like, 
I don't know if my mission's working. I don't know if this is going to work. Like, uh, we have $30 in our bank account, and our rent is due, and this is, this is tough. Um, there are always going to be moments of doubt, and I think that is the thing that crushes so many people as they get to that moment of doubt, and it's so hard to push forward from that. Um, I'm very fortunate in that my fiancé, um, who also is our branding and marketing um, director, um, has been with me since day one. But, I mean, the first year of the Overlook, we didn't take a paycheck. Like, we took nothing, and, you know, we were trying to support two people on basically zero salary. You know, so how do you make that work, and how do you get there? Um, you know, we're making money here and there, but, but nothing that would be considered, uh, above the poverty right. level. Um, and, you know, creditors calling like, Hey, are we going to get that? Um, are we going to get that electric bill payment? Um, and so I think a lot of people, again, I said at the beginning, you've got to take that jump. And then once you've jumped, you kind of have to deal with the consequences right. of that jump. You have to kind of deal with, um, the, I'm going to see this through to the very end. And there are times that you think you're possibly at the end. And then you have to kind of keep going. And you kind of have to keep exploring. You kind of have to keep pushing forward um, way past comfortability and way past rational sameness, probably. But I think anybody that has ever been truly successful in what they are passionate about has got to that moment where they had to make a serious choice about do I go on? And I would be lying if I told you we have, that we have never come to that point because we've come to that point probably three or four times in three or four years. We've just been very fortunate that when you get to that point, you have people that say, no, this isn't the end. No, I've got an idea of how to get us out of this. Uh, oh, like we can do this and then we can do this. And it hasn't been to the point where it's like, oh, the bars were going to close. It got to the point where it's like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, you should go get a, a a regular job, or maybe I can go take on this job that I'm not really that passionate about, but it'll pay right. the bills. You know, I think for us, like there were, there was always that moment that was, well, if we do this, life will be a lot easier, but we'll fucking hate ourselves for it. Um, so I think there was always, there's always that moment that they give you like the the bailout, basically like you can stop what you're doing and go do this thing and it will solve all your problems. Um, but I've learned that if your problem is money, you don't have problems. Interesting. Like I, it, it, it's, it's such a, it's such a first world thing to say, but I, I truly believe that, you know, there's so many people in this world that have what I consider very hard right. struggles. You know, the problem is like, man, I've invested money into this business and it's not really working out. Like that's not a problem. Like that is, you know, hopefully you have the will with all that. If you started something, you can go start something else. Um, one of my favorite shows is the office. And I love the episode with Michael Scott and the Michael Scott paper yeah. company to where they're flat broke. And he is sitting in front of, um, the new VP of Bender Mifflin. And he's like, if this doesn't work, I'll just go start another paper company and then I'll start another one after that. I've got so many ideas for paper companies. I just love that resolve. And I think sometimes that to be an entrepreneur, you have to have that resolve to know that 
Um, failure is coming your way. It is what you do with that failure that really defines what the rest of your life is going to be like. But just know that everybody who's ever done anything has failed at some point. And then it has to be your will with all to say, do I keep playing the game? Because only you can decide, do I wake up the next morning and do I keep playing the game, the game that I love? I love creating experiences so that even if all three of my bars went away tomorrow, I would wake up the next day and I'd try to figure out a way to play the game because I love playing it so much. Yeah. It's the resiliency, man. It's the it's it's funny you say that because it's that's what it is. It's the human experience is to grow and to adapt. That's like what we are as beings is that's why we've survived is because we've learned how to adapt. You wake up every day and you say, "Oh, what is the challenge today?" and you can you can overcome just about everything, man, if you just I mean, especially, you know, if, you, if you've been through failure after failure after failure, which I, which I have, it's helped me learn that, like, oh, it's not, this failure isn't the end. It's just, uh, it, we just got to go in a different direction now. We just got to figure it out. And you can kind of trust yourself in your own resilience. I think that's it. I think if you enjoy what you do, do it for the enjoyment of doing it. And if you can figure that out long enough, you'll figure out a way to make money of it. And money will be the byproduct of the joy and your passion that you do. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. But but only you can give up. Only, like, only you will tell yourself to stop. There, You might have people in your life that'll be like, I don't think this is such a good idea. But in the end, you are the only person that will make you stop. You are the absolute only person that can say, I'm done playing. Like I'm. This is too hard. Like I, I don't want to do this passion anymore because I have given up. So as long as you don't give up, you know you will suffer setbacks and you will suffer defeat. But you have to think of defeat as short term, and you have to think of defeat as how do we how do we learn from that defeat, and then how do you keep going? And hopefully you keep going because you love it so much that you can't think of a world where you do anything else. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really it, man. Sorry, I, I feel like I feel like I've gotten real deep, real deep. That's on this good. Episode. Like I hope everyone like brought brought their waiters and like oh yeah, you know their 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 sweatpants so that they can like sift through the deepness. Of <laughs> we're this so podcast. dude, yeah, we're neck deep. It's uh no, dude, I love it. I love that. Um, that's that's really great, and I think that's way more interesting than like what's it like running a you know. Pulp Fiction bar, you know, it's, I don't know what it's like. I want to know what it's, what your experience was coming up with it. And I want to know what's the vision? What's the future? Like, what are you planning on doing next? Um, I think for us, it's just the plan is always changing. I think it's, that's also the fun part of it. It's just kind of going along and see where it goes. You know, right now we're working on some newer concepts. Um, I've gotten kind of the opportunity that I consider a lifetime that I can't talk about right now. So maybe you can have me on the next six months and I can talk about like this amazing other thing that I'm working on that I never thought would happen. But it's basically, if you follow me on Instagram, Jake should Instagram, um, you can kind of see some clues and stuff that we're working on. But it's basically, you know, I, 
without giving away too much, I grew up going to like a bunch of theme parks for a living. Like I was a real Disney kid growing up and I, I just got this just amazing opportunity to possibly do something that any Disney kid would basically be like, wait, you're going to pay me to do this? Wait, hold up. I, I would do this for free. Um, and so th- hopefully, you know, we're, we're not done as a company and we're, the things that we've done right now have just shown, um, I always compare these bars to like the Avengers, like Overlook Lodge is like Iron Man and Video Archive is our Captain America. And I guess like Tokyo Kitty, it's not our Thor, um, cause it's a little bit more fun. So maybe it's our Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but, but we're still working towards like our Avengers moment, like the moment that we're like, this is what we've been like working towards. Like this is everything that we ever wanted it to be um, from day one. Um, but we're not there yet. So we're going to kind of keep building upon the things that we've learned at these first three bars so that for the next three bars, um, they're going to be even more impressive and more amazing. And so that the story can kind of continue and, and evolve and um, that you have some relation to it. And I think that's the fun thing is how do we interconnect these you know, bar so it feels like a cohesive story so that when you get to the fifth or sixth bar, you're like, oh, I saw the beginning of this back at the Overlook Lodge is, oh, they, they kind of plant the seed for this. And now you've got this thing. And man, that complements this so well. Um, this is amazing. So, so hopefully that's something that we're working towards for the next, you know, three or four years that we kind of get to create and do some, some fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I feel like you'll probably. I I've got a feeling you'll probably never actually have your Avengers moment because you'll. There always will be something. You know what I mean. You'll always kind of be improving and doing something new and feeling like it's. I don't. I don't know. I don't think you'll ever feel like it's complete. But I could be wrong. I, I hope so. Like we always said, like what is like the Everest? Yeah. Of like opening a bar, like the Everest would be like opening something in another country okay. or opening something in Las Vegas. So like, it doesn't really get like much higher, like on the, on the bar pinnacle than that. I think there are some creative elements that like we're really trying to work on now. It's an experiential elements. So like no one has ever done in a right. bar that that will feel like, Oh man, like we could burn it all to the ground. Cause we did that one thing. Um, and so I think there's some stuff that we're working on right now that I'm super excited about. Um, that I think could really change the bar industry. Um, but we don't know until we get there. And it could also be like the, um, uh, what was like the thing that was supposed to replace the bicycle that everyone now just does to a segue. Oh, yeah. Like it could just be like the segue of bar ideas. They're like, that's novel. Like I remember when they were supposed to like launch the segue, they're like, this is going to replace every bicycle in America. Yeah. No one will ever ride a bicycle again. And here we are. No one owns a Segway ever, except for mall cops and tour, tourists right. that are trying to tour Cincinnati. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll do something. Dude, but who knows? Maybe you do something way before it's time and you're remembered. And, I mean, if you invented a Segway, that's pretty dope, you know? I mean, I, again, we obviously are still talking about the Segway, so it obviously wasn't like a dud of an exactly. idea. I, I just think, you know, I hope that, you know, and again, it, it is all about the team that you surround with you. So the people I have right now, 
I'm just excited that we get to wake up and create every day and like kind of keep getting to tell the story that, that the story never seems complete. And also, I think that's why it's kind of like The Avengers, too, because it's like a comic book. Like, eventually one day we'll have to reboot and we'll yeah. reboot something and it'll be amazing. But um, for us, we're, we're kind of keeping that mythology alive of just, okay, how do we keep telling the story today? Well, that's it, man. That's really, I mean, I'll, I'll get deep for a second, but that's, that's it. You gotta live your life as an adventure, as a story, you know, you gotta be, you can, I mean, cause you could sit back, open up a couple bars and, you know, open up a couple sports bars with some TVs You can, and do all, you do really well, you know, you could do that and you could probably just chill, but is that a cool story? No. Agreed. Agreed. And, th- and that's it. Anybody that's listening, like, tell your story. Have it never be done. I think I think that's a good I think that's a good spot to end it on. So Well thanks um, a lot, Jacob. But unless Yeah, the, uh, you know, uh, keep up with us at Gorilla Cinema Presents. You can follow the Overlook Lodge at Overlook the Ridge on Instagram, uh Tokyo Kitty, which is our Japanese karaoke bar at that Tokyo bar. And then um, Video Archive, which is our Quinn Tarantino speakeasy at that Grindhouse Bar on Instagram. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, dude. I hope everything... I'm really... Well, I'm really excited to see what you're actually... What you're talking about, uh, what the next big adventure is, so... I mean, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, it's not very often that I get to obviously get this deep. You know, a lot of people always ask, like, where do the ideas come from? And, you know, what what would you do with this movie property? And it's just kind of fun to just really kind of really get deep into what it means to, um, to, to really create all this. So thank you so much for the opportunity. No problem, man. Uh, yeah. All Anytime right. you want to do it again, just let me know. I sure will. So we'll be in touch and, and send me a link with this, uh, up and Absolutely, running. dude. Take it easy. All right, man. All Thank right. you. Peace. Bye.